I, I got to a point uh, in the last few weeks of realizing we need to clean our pool. Um, we have a pool, which you could call that a foolish decision or not. Uh, something to maintain throughout the year when you use it like three months, um, which is an open invitation. Anybody that wants to come use our pool, we're gladly will let you use our pool because yes, someone needs to use it. Um, but with, within that, it was about a few weeks ago and we're getting ready for swimming and we know we need to put chlorine in again and just do the whole thing. And so I had planned this last week to be the week that I was going to go out and clean the pool. Last week, the week before I had all this planned, all these different things just started accumulating in the water that I was like, I was going to get ahead of that next week, but now it's getting ahead of me. Um, I mean, just different algae, it's all clear, but the dust particles are holding differently. All of a sudden, this tree next to our pool that uh, never drops berries, all of a sudden dropped berries this year. Uh, so when you have a pool, you see the water. You get to enjoy the water, you get to swim, um, and you don't have to think much about what else goes on in and around the pool. You just, again, get to enjoy the aspects when it's 105 outside that I get to go dip into some cool water and have some fun and people over and those kind of things. And off to the side of the pool is a whole separate unit that is called the pool pump. And I don't know, like if you've ever swam, have you ever just like been in the water and been like, man, I, I wonder what's up with that pool pump over there? Or like, I wonder how that pool pump is connected to the water and what maybe the piping that's built around the pool and how that circulates chlorine. And I, I, I don't know if anyone ever thinks about that when they're swimming in the pool. Well, when you're a pool owner, you have to think about those things. And I am a week late to this. And the reality is that whether I'm using the pool or not, the pool pump is integral to the life of the water, to the part that we enjoy. The, the swimming, the playing, the splashing. And any time that we're not giving attention to the pool pump, what ends up happening is the water starts to lose its vitality. The water starts to get more muck, murky. Algae starts to, you start, start to find new elements in there that you would rather not have in there. And today we are celebrating as a church for thousands of years, a day called Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is not a, year, a word you use on a weekly basis by any means. And it simply means 50. So Penta being 50, 50 days after Easter, if you did the math this morning, is where we find ourselves. And what it is, is the day that we recognize a song that we just sang, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. It's the day that 2,000 years ago, God's Spirit actually became available to us in a very personal way that had never happened before. The early church would celebrate what would be a long history all the way back in the Old Testament, the Feast of Weeks. And it was a week of recognizing God's provision in their lives. And we're going to pick up in the story here. As the followers of Jesus had been tagging along with him for a few years, uh, the disciples, the 12, and uh, plenty of others, and they were all just trying to figure out what's going on. They, they always thought that they had Jesus nailed down. They thought they knew why he was there. They thought they knew what he was up to. And he kept telling them, like, hey, I, you know, when I take off, like, I, I'm going to give you guys my spirit. Like, you're going to be better off when I leave. And every time they're like, I don't, we don't know what you're talking about. And then he actually leaves in a, a moment of time, when we call Easter, in his death, burial, and then his resurrection. 
And then 40 days after Easter, he leaves in what's called the Ascension. He actually goes back to heaven. And then we pick up shortly after that in this scripture. Kelly, if we can pull that up, Acts 2, 1 to 4. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a a sound like the blowing of a a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The disciples found themselves in gaps with Jesus. And I think oftentimes, if you go to London, I, this, Jason, you, get, you did London a couple times. There was the, uh, if you get on the underground, uh, the transportation, they have these mind the gap signs everywhere. The loudspeaker is constantly saying, mind the gap, because you don't want to fall into the gap between the, the terminal standway and the actual train that's going by. And if without that, I don't think you're ever actually aware of the gap. You just kind of get on or off the train or you fall in apparently because someone must have fallen in at some point for them to actually implement this. Um, But the disciples, again, found themselves in these gaps with the life of Jesus. And I wonder how many of us 2,000 years later find ourselves in these gaps in our relationship with God. Those that, that actually say yes to God, those that are following this life of Jesus, that we feel disconnected. We feel like there is a separation between us. And then for those that are just like, I don't even know what to think of space or of faith. I don't know what to think of God. I'm trying to maybe consider this Jesus character. There, there just feels to be this gap because most of what we experience are in our life is in the physical. Right now, you and I are experiencing each other because we can see each other in this building our careers, our families, everything that we aspire to be oftentimes is a a material thing. And there doesn't oftentimes feel to be this gap. But what about the things that you're hoping for in your marriage? What about the things that you're hoping to see in your work or your career, whether it's one of entering or one of exiting? What are the things that you're willing, you want to see happen in regard to vices in your life when you get stressed out? The things that you turn to when things get hard because you don't want to feel things. Is there a gap there? From the reality that you want to see, but then the reality that actually ends up playing out. The things that you're longing for, the things that you're hoping for, the things that you want to see move forward. I wonder how many of us feel a gap. And ultimately, how are those connected to our relationship with this spiritual thing of faith? With this spiritual thing of our relationship with God? With the spiritual thing of being in relationship with Jesus? With this idea of the Holy Spirit who came down in fire, tongues of fire, I don't know about you, but there's a massive gap there in my mind. To actually think about this playing out, all of us sitting here in a room, and all of a sudden the building starts to shake, massive winds start coming through, or what appears to be winds, and all of a sudden there's tongues of fire over our heads. We're all communicating in different languages, but everyone around is understanding each other. 
Like, that blows my mind. Like, I don't know. That would be weird. I, I wonder how many of us would be like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I don't, this is not normal. So what we see here in this text is what we could say the beginning of the church. And to maybe go one more layer, because the church has always been around. It's been God's called out people. God called Israel, Israel out thousands of years before this. But the called out ones entered a new reality of church and life with God in a spiritual reality. When they had Jesus with them, when they saw miracles happen, when they heard his teachings, they left in wonder all the time of what in the heck is going on. I do not understand what is happening. And then we see a spiritual reality. And maybe my hope, my hope in my heart this morning is that we realize that we are a spiritual community. In a Western culture that probably doesn't recognize spirituality as high as a lot of other cultures, I want to remind us that we are first and foremost a spiritual community. And that's never an excuse to not go and do, to serve, to fight for justice, to seek reconciliation. There's so many things. But like the gap that you might feel in your life of the things you're longing for, you might be trying to do everything physically. You might be trying to make everything happen that you possibly can, but there's just no movement. Things are stagnant. I can put so much chlorine in my pool, but if the pump does not circulate the water, the algae is going to build instantly. Uh, Will, uh, Willie Jennings, let's pull that quote up, says this, this is the beginning of a community broken open by the sheer act of God. And we are yet to comprehend the extent to which God acts and is acting to break us open. And if I can just focus on this piece here, which God acts, God initiates, God is the one moving, God is the one doing, and then what happens in that is he's acting to break us open. And I think the hardest thing about this idea of being a spiritual community, that our relationship with God is spiritual, and in so many ways our relationship with others is spiritual, is because we have to be broken open. The ways in which we understand things need to be confronted. The way in which we realize things, there's more going on to them, and that is discomforting. I have three things here. If we highlight out of this passage, it said that, and I'll just read it again in context. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in the same place. Suddenly, a sound came in. How many of you like change? Yeah, that's what I thought. Show of hands. Everyone's hand online went up. We just don't like change. We, we could literally say, this is going to be the most amazing thing. Whether you're going to move to a new city, a new career, a new building for a church, whatever it is, it could be amazing. Yet there's still this thing inside of us that probably resists change in different ways. Or some of us are just really sick people and love change constantly. That's the other side of it. But for the most part, we do not like change. And God moves in suddenly. 
One thing we talk about here in our distinctives of uh, relationally authentic, spiritually formed, and then for others, the spiritual formation piece is something that we would say is a long and slow process. It is a long and slow process of being open to God. It is a long and slow process of being open to one another, to being transformed from within. But God also moves suddenly. Healing physically in our body, sometimes God will move suddenly. Breaking vices and addictions off of us, sometimes we need God to move suddenly. When our marriages are in riff or we're trying to figure out things with our kids or whatever it is, sometimes we need God to move suddenly. But everything in the physical tells us, no, God, you cannot move suddenly. I need you to move on my time. And when you don't move on my, my timeline, then I'm questioning why you're not moving on my timeline. Because we understand things in the physical. Next is external. What came in like a wind. If the wind was starting to blow in this place right now, it's not something that comes from within. It's something that comes externally. God's power is something that moves externally. The things that we want to see happen in our lives, the things that we want to see happen in our relationship, the things that we want to see happen in the brokenness of this world, in a culture that oftentimes tells us that if you just get to your true self, if you just wear your heart on your sleeve, if you keep fighting the good fight, I mean, you, you can kind of go through all the cultural idioms that's saying, if you can just find yourself, then everything will change. And now there's layers of truth to that. Yes, but we also need an external reality that is breaking into our physical to actually influence things more than just trying to find ourselves. And lastly, this is unknown. People were watching this being like, are these people drunk? Like, what, what is going on right now? They're speaking all these languages. They're acting crazy. And we'll see what happens here in a second. But everyone thinks they're freaking out. I'd be freaking out on both sides. Like, we don't know what just happened. God moves in unknown ways. God moves in mysterious ways. How many of you like mystery? How many of you like sitting around last year being like, huh, I wonder when COVID is going to end. This is a great feeling. No, we like we despise that. Most of my anxiety came last year from being like, I don't know when this is going to end. We do not know everything that's going on physically. God is working outside of us in unknown and supernatural ways, and that is hard to grasp. This idea of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, God's third being to say, it can be a wonky one. It can be a weird one. It can be an uncomfortable one. It can also be a very safe one and a comforting one and a stretching one. And what we're talking about is a personal relationship where God has drawn near to us given us his spirit, embedded himself into our lives, our being. And there's some things that start to happen inside of us to identify this. Some, we start to get drawn to maybe some new things that start to confront our life a bit. Things that are good and maybe outward towards others. And we, things start to happen. Sometimes we feel these nudges and these senses and maybe God's speaking to us. And that can be a weird phrase of, of kind of communicating that, like it's not this audible voice that shakes the room, but just these nudges inside of us that I, I don't know if that's me. 
And so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about God's personal being in relationship with us. And it looks different across the board. There's no one way. Now, with that, whether you're new to the Holy Spirit or not, whether you've grown up in a church that maybe overemphasized the experience of the Spirit, maybe in even harmful ways, or just never talked about it, that the Holy Spirit is kind of like the, the stepchild of the Trinity and we just kind of push him out. That that's just kind of that weird thing that, you know, those other people talk about, but that's just, that's weird. We don't, we don't do that. That would be a little bit too confronting for us. Um, the reality is that the Spirit is given to us so that God's work may be done through us. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that God's work may be done through us. And by way of wrapping up, we're going to move into this next section. After this, everyone's like, man, these people are drunk. They're nuts. they like, what is going on? Some wondered, though. They were like, man, what's happening here? There's something going on. And then we pick up where the Apostle Peter gets up to speak. And just before this, in the last days with Jesus, the Apostle Peter denied Jesus. He abandoned Jesus. Everything that he said he was going to do to live out this life of obedience and faith and all these big things, he completely fails. And then he stands up and he says this in Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You can leave that one up, Kelly. A lot going on here. But if, if I can point out a few things, when I talk about that, when I say that the Spirit is given to us so that God's work may be done through us, some of the work that he's doing here, first of all, he says that I will pour out my Spirit on all people. One of the things that differentiates races and ethnicities is oftentimes language, cultures. And we see here in the first time that God pours out his Spirit on all people. There is no one dominant language in this scenario that all people have been given his spirit, that all people are equal. Equity has spread across the room to where everyone now has been empowered by the pursuit of God's spirit. He has just broken down cultural barriers. He has just broken down ethnic and racial barriers. And then he continues and says, your sons and daughters... In, in, in a culture where men were upheld, in a culture where kings were men and they ran everything, where, where men were the ones to learn and to be taught and to prophesy and to all these things, sons and daughters, women have been given the spirit to carry forth all of the good works that God wants to do in and through us. Amen. <laughs> I, like in so many ways, we can just keep going here. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Retirement is not a real thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. There also is no junior Holy Spirit, meaning that they're only 12. They can't hear from God. They're only 12. They can't have a meaningful connection with the Spirit of God. This is why our kids team right now is downstairs making space for our kids. This is why every Sunday we get to participate in the life of the kids who are a part of Midtown. And that we sit in a room cross-generationally saying that everyone has something to give. And oftentimes cultures that say race and ethnicity matter, men above women matter, 
Old, go on. Young, figure it out. You can just keep walking down those cultural things. God is breaking them down by these three areas. Even on my servants, both men and women, class barriers have just been broken down. It is not just for the rich, not just for the esteem, not just that those can get an education, but it is the people also on the fringes of society, on the margins, the oppressed, the abused, the hurt, the left out, the voiceless, on and on and on. God has just broken in in supernatural ways of beyond the physical realities that put all of these differences in place. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Every single person will prophesy. They will share the good news and the good works of what God is doing in their life. It's not just about in a culture that would probably think prophecy is telling the future. It's know that we have all been encountered by the Spirit of God in supernatural ways that is broken in the physical that we may not understand that is highly discomforting, but so that we can carry out the work of God. As I mentioned, what better person than Peter to stand up and say all of this? The one who just abandoned Jesus the one who denied him, the one who just got it all wrong. One of the most beautiful things about all of this is no matter how wrong you got it your entire life, no matter how wrong you got it this last week, one of the ultimate things we're seeing is God's pursuit of us through his grace. His spirit is not something that is earned. His spirit is not something that is just saying, once I have it all together, once I just can morally figure things out and start living a certain way. No, his spirit is what empowers that. It is the spirit within us that then empowers everything outside of us, transforming lives, transforming everything. We are a spiritual community first and foremost. And that's why I said earlier, the invitation in this next season, I think, is for us to depend on that more and more and more. Because in that, we start to see things that were unexpected. We we start to see things that we could not manufacture ourselves. Again, Willie Jennings says this, uh, this is love. Man, you're on it, Kelly. This is love that cannot be tamed, controlled, or planned. And once unleashed, it will drive the disciples forward into the world and drive a question into their lives. Where is the Holy Spirit taking us and into whose lives? Where is the Holy Spirit taking us and into whose lives? When we receive this power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot help but to start to move outwards. We cannot help to start to drop our plans and say, what does Ryan want this week? What does Ryan want for my family? What does Ryan want for this and this and that? And say, no, where's the Holy Spirit taking us? How is God nudging and leading me in certain ways? What does it look like for me to pause in the middle of a workday, in the middle of a career shift, in the middle of my family, in the middle of marriage, in the middle of whatever it is and say, God, what are you doing here? This is maybe one of the greatest questions that we can learn from this last year is, God, what are you doing in and amidst the things that I do not understand? And then into whose lives? As we look at a culture that is fractured by the list of things that we just worked through, that is fractured, into whose lives 
empowered by the Spirit seems like an answer. That when we begin to be transformed, we start to move across racial and ethnic barriers. When we begin to be transformed, we move across gender barriers, class barriers, age barriers. We move upwards and outwards to do the work that God is up to in this world. Marjorie Thompson said this. I think I said I was ending at some point. This is ending. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ is our own unwillingness to receive the gift. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ is our own unwillingness to receive the gift. It is said that in the last days, his his spirit will be poured out. Depending on how you do your math, I would say that with the coming of Jesus, we are in the last days. His spirit has been poured out. Will you receive it? The greatest question I think that we could be faced with on a Pentecost Sunday. Will you receive it? And again, if I can just align this, because I know wherever you're coming from, there's thoughts and perceptions and experience of, of what the Holy Spirit is and what it does and what happens here and you know, all the different questions around how we operate in this. But if I can, again, look across the board, it is God's grace breaking into our lives in a loving pursuit after our life. And maybe I emphasize it as His grace not something that we are earning. This is something that we are receiving. Yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to read this. I think this is just a prayer. If I can give us something just to kind of tangibly walk away with. I know that a lot of this is nuanced. There, there's no like, here's the three steps to say yes and do this. And, you know, there's a lot here that I think comes down to, will you receive it? What does it look like for you to be open? What does it look like for you to stand in this gap that is awkward and comfortable and just be like, God, I, I want your spirit? Because we see these moments in scripture and I have these experiences in my life where, boom, it happens and it pours out. And this is these moments but we can't just live on these moments that were big. This is a constant thing that we as a church, we as, an, we as the people of God are constantly saying, God, pour afresh your spirit in my life. Every day asking God, what is your spirit up to? Who are you taking me to? And that, what more powerful thing that as you enter into this week of your relationships and your workplaces and just everything that you do, if it was framed by like, God, what are you up to here? What are you up to that I cannot see so that I can participate in your work? Some words. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me.